Do you ever think about how much stuff gets wasted? I never really thought about all the waste that was getting produced until I came to Cornell and I realized I got involved with a lot of different waste related clubs. So this week I wanted to share some different ways people are dealing with waste on Cornell's campus and in general. Hi, I'm Cynthia. And I'm Clara. And you're listening to Voices. 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 Yeah. Like the word? Yeah. Voices. So Cornell's campus offers all-you-can-eat dining, which means they have to overproduce the amount of food for everyone every single night that they're serving food. Because as an all-you-can-eat dining facility, they have to guarantee that everyone has enough to eat, even if like some people don't eat that much, you know? So by nature, by default, this all-you-can-eat system is producing extra food. There's actually a club on campus that was created to kind of address the extra food that was being produced and they're called the Food Recovery Network. The Food Recovery Network is an organization that's part of the national organization um, called the Food Recovery Network and Cornell's branch is just one part of the whole national organization. This is Isabel Richter. She is on the board for the Food Recovery Network. We work to fight food waste and to um, and food insecurity. So we go into dining halls and collect food from dining halls that would otherwise be thrown away and then onto local farms and clean produce that would be not harvested. Oh, okay. I didn't realize the produce part. Can you take us through like the process of what happens when you're taking food out of the dining hall and then how does it get to the food kitchen or wherever you're taking it? Yeah, so volunteers like three to four volunteers will go into the dining hall and meet with the chef and the chef will tell them what food they have um, prepared that needs to be recovered. So this is food that like has not been touched at all? No, it wasn't even put on the like front lines. (laughs) What is the front lines? You know what I mean? (laughs) Like it wasn't put like for students to serve. It was kept in a heater the entire time. Uh Uh-huh. And then they'll take the food and take its temperatures and then put it into pans to cool it um, and cool the food so that it's below 40 degrees so that it's safe to transport. Um, And then once it reaches um, a low enough temperature, then they take it out and put it into containers. And then from there, it gets transported down to the Friendship Donation Network in Ithaca. Um, Where where is that? It's in the Just Because building in downtown Ithaca near the farmer's market. So what time is it like leaving the dining hall and then what time does it get to the friendship donation network? So um, one of our recoveries is from RPCC and those start at 8.30 and they're normally done by like 10. And so then the driver Is it like waves of driving or like no, what do you it's mean just it's one. from 8.30 to 10? So um, the recovery process, like going into the dining hall, getting the food, cooling it, putting it into containers takes like an hour to an hour and a half 
depending on how much food there is. And then um, as the volunteers know that they're getting close to finishing up cooling the food, then they um, contact the driver and the driver will come at like 10-ish. And then it takes like 10 minutes to drive down to FDN. That food is um, distributed like the day after or sometime within the next few days. It's um, given to people who like come and pick it up from FDN, like which is the Friendship Donation Network. And then they um, go bring it to their own organization and heat it back up and serve it. Oh. So it's like a couple of days. But as long as the food is frozen or cool, it's safe to eat. So how much food are you transporting usually? And like, it, how often does this process happen? Like how much food are we taking from Cornell Dining and putting into the food so, uh, friendship? Yeah. Um, the actual like poundages, we're like not allowed to oh, you're like, not. like share with the public because it's just about like Cornell's liability or whatever. So the things that we can publicize are like um, the total amounts of food that we're um, producing and so, or like that we're recovering. Um, and so total this year, we've recovered over 4,000 pounds of food from both like cleaning and um, getting food from Cornell Dining. And we- Wait, what is gleaning? Gleaning is like going to farms and picking food that it's no longer profit profitable for like local farmers to like harvest. Um, and so we go into, we're recovering from two dining halls right now and starting to expand, but those have just been like trial runs with our expansion, but we're recovering like regularly from our PCC and Oak and Shields, and that happens once a week. How did they manage like that influx of food? I it's guess. a lot. It's really, they are people who are like hired either full-time or part-time, but they're, it's really, really well-organized. And they like have a group of volunteers, and so they have like a group chat for everyone um, who is able to like go and pick up food. And so sometimes they'll just message if there are like, things that are out of the ordinary that they need to go pick up. So like, if they know that a restaurant downtown that normally doesn't have extra food had extra like hot dog buns one day, mm -hmm. then they'll just text in the group message and be like, can anyone go pick up this bread? And then like almost immediately, because they have so many volunteers, somebody will respond and be like, yeah, I got it. Oh, so they're really playing on that whole network yeah, thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's really cool. But there are also like scheduled things, like the Statler Hotel regularly donates their own stuff, and that's separate from FDN or, for, or from FRN. Like oh, we don't okay. go to Statler, but Statler does it on their own. Um, and then we have like regular recoveries that we know are always going to be scheduled and stuff, so they know how to like plan for those things. Mm -hmm. Um, the Food Recovery Network like founded at Cornell. Is this in like 2013. Yeah, oh, okay. it's really recent. It was founded by three freshmen. Whoa. Yeah, the national chapter I think was founded in 2011, so it's really new. We're just like starting to expand and build a name for ourselves and um, get more funding and things like that. So that's been exciting, but also a lot of work because it's hard to make yourself well known. Yeah. On campus, especially with the campuses. The 
food recovery network is obviously making some big strides in ensuring that less food at Cornell gets wasted. However, there's a lot of other student organizations that are doing things about waste. One of them, which I will be directing next year, is called Cornell Thrift. I decided to interview our outgoing director, Daniel, the founder of Cornell Thrift and a person who thinks a lot about waste. I'm Daniel. Um, I'm interested in um, broadly sustainable development, but more specifically um, infrastructural development and also um, how we can use resources efficiently in a development context. Okay, so I feel like you're involved with a lot of different waste-related clubs on campus. How did you like start getting interested or like when you came to Cornell, did you know you were going to like do all of these things? Absolutely not. Um, I kind of stumbled into it. Uh, and this is a story I tell everybody, which which is true, um, is that uh, at the end of freshman year, I was living in uh, a co-op and that, it was right behind um, the back of Balch. Um, and what I saw were a lot of like freshmen throwing away things. And th there was this, there were dump and run boxes, which is a program run by um, the administration, um, which collects stuff and then sells at annual sale in fall, at the beginning of fall, the next semester. Um, but these boxes were full. And so what I saw were um, students just taking like whole refrigerators and I think microwave ovens um, and putting them out next to the dump in the rain. Um, and that, that would have, like, over the course of half an hour, an hour, destroyed, like, the fridge or the microwave. Um, so I was, like, really shocked. Um, I mean, I knew this that sort of waste existed, but I think what resonated was the fact that I was looking for a fridge and didn't really want to buy a new fridge at the beginning of the semester, and so I just eventually gave up. Um, but to see that... Um, visceral like waste stage um, got me thinking about how um, to have a more ongoing system of uh, reuse and exchange. Someone's gonna use it after you. Someone needs that water when you're through. Cause the water, land and air, these are things we've got to share. Someone's gonna use it after you. The main thing that I did was to start Cornell Thrift, um, which is basically an organization which tries to encourage exchange, um, both for environmental reasons and also for student welfare reasons. But that started maybe about a year ago. And also recently, we are trying to think of um, creating or like curating a sort of um, program called Discard Studies, um, which studies um, what we throw away or what we think, in other words, are, are not valuable um, from various perspe perspectives, like like uh, from the engineering perspective, how, how is solid waste management, how are solid waste management systems um, formalized and how do they operate um, from an anthropological perspective, like what, 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 what creates or conceptualized value in some, in society's uh, point of view, from society's point of view, yeah, so. Would so, it be like a department of sorts? Um, probably not. Um, I think there are a lot of majors already and departments that, that kind of um, approach the subject or allow students to approach the subject from that discipline. And I think um, if this were to exist, it would be something blending these uh, perspectives or these approaches to focus specifically on 
the idea of what is thrown away. I just thought of this, but I know you're from Singapore, but is the like attitudes toward waste really different, I guess? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, at least in Singapore, um, and I think if I can generalize maybe Southeast Asia, what you will see a lot are um, um, casual waste collectors. Um, and that's something that when I came here, I realized that they, those didn't exist. Uh, they're called Karanguni in Singapore, and they go around in this like little truck, um, or sometimes just they push um, uh, wheelbarrows, and, and they have this horn that goes... And, and, and people know that, that they come out and sell them um, or give them news, newspaper in exchange for some small amount of money or other kinds of electronics. And I think you, you see this in, in Hong Kong, um, other Southeast Asian countries, Vietnam, I believe, um, to my knowledge, all have something like this. Yeah. And there isn't something like similar here. I'm not sure why. Maybe uh, there's some kind of stigma against that or it's just not... Um, um, the system is such that you cannot actually... Uh, make a living out of doing this on a full-time basis so yeah mm -hmm. yeah i remember i went to china over the summer and every single time we had like perfectly good water bottles but like we just drank everything my aunt would be like oh these are perfectly good let's eat them on the ground <laughs> i was very shocked by that I'm like why would you if they're good why would you like throw, i mean throw them away and they said like oh because someone can collect them so she was putting it on the ground as like a charitable act yeah she was doing that like deliberately like on the side where everyone could see it like where it couldn't you know maybe not roll away or anything she yeah that's really interesting because um it's kind of like an informal economy right mm -hmm. and the funny thing is that i think in, in, in some European country recently, um, they started to produce trash cans with like pockets on the side for cans and bottles so that these people could collect them easily and not go through the trash. Oh. So it's kind of, um, maybe things are going through, like full cycle in the sense that, well, maybe not full cycle, but, but they're, um, they're kind of formalizing it in some way. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. They're, they're acknowledging the fact that there are people who probably need to make a living or, or earn some sort of money through these cans and uh, these intact bottles. So yeah, you might as well make it convenient for them as they do it. Speaking of salvaging through the trash, a few days ago, Cynthia and I were invited to take an intimate tour of Cornell's very own dumpsters. As some of you might know, during the end of the year, Cornell's dumpsters get filled with lots of trash and oftentimes very viable things like clothes or fans or electronic devices. So there's actually a dedicated group of people who go around and dumpster dive for these items. So. Right now, me and Cynthia are heading to our first dumpster dive. Yeah. This is a very hush-hush thing, because apparently this is illegal. This is illegal stuff. I mean, people don't want this stuff, so I don't see why it's illegal. I don't know. I think it's because it's like, when it's in the dumpster, it becomes property of the recycling management people. I thought it was once it's in the dumpster, it's fair game. But Yeah, that, yeah that's what I thought too, but... This is America. Nothing is free. <laughs> <laughs> to protect people's privacy, we're not going to use real names in this section. We're going to call the person who organized this whole event, Sam. Um, okay, so let's... I, I don't think anyone else is coming. 
There were a small group of us getting together to go dumpster diving, but Sam was the main organizer. Yeah, I mean, this is pretty good. Cause, like, it's also really early in the season. Like, yeah, next so there's not going to be, be like, like a, peak. There's not going to be like that much good stuff. And but, the fewer of you there are, the less like noise and attention you'll draw. Yeah, okay, so rules are keep it as quiet as possible. Keep it as dark as possible. If you're in like a high visibility area, like um, the Balch dumpster, it has like giant floodlights shining into it. And like a lot of the West dumpsters have like giant floodlights, like, here's the dumpster. <laughs> so um, if you go to any of those dumpsters, like uh, I would recommend keep a lookout. Um, like have one person looking out and like two people diving and then like switch off occasionally. Usually when like people start moving out, like the dumpsters will be like overflowing and you can just like literally climb in and stand on top of the trash. <laughs> <laughs> um, anything else? Be nice to the police if they come. Okay. They'll probably be fine. They have they have worse yeah. things to worry about. You're not you guys like aren't drunk or anything. Actually so. we were debating that on the way here. We were saying what is worse? Being caught rummaging through someone else's trash or getting caught underage drinking? Definitely underage drinking. You think? Okay. Yes. I know. <laughs> when they like um I was diving the uh Jameson dumpster and they caught my friend and I and they basically were just like we're gonna like write you up for a warning and like just like give us your name that ID CUID we'll just like keep you in our records and I was like okay I'm more just worried about people like going and making a huge mess yeah that, that happens sometimes leave the dumpster cleaner than when you found it um after hearing the plan we hopped in a car armed with gloves and large plastic bags for collecting our trash we headed down to the dumpster behind um, the back of Bulch. Which, if you remember, is the same place Daniel first had his revelation about how much wasting happens at Cornell. Right, here's the dumpster. <laughs> it's this really huge dumpster, and we walked in because they had a door that allowed the dumpster to be opened. Um, and it's basically at like as tall as me, like it's, it's above my eye level. Um, and one person was standing outside as a lookout and the rest of us were pulling open plastic trash bags and um, boxes and search for all the goodies inside. Is that like a whole pack of yeah, tampons? No, not tampons. Unused? Oh, pop them in. Jesus Christ, <laughs> these are like max. Pop them in. <laughs> God bless. After about an hour, we decided to call it quits. What are your reactions from tonight? Trash juice is disgusting. <laughs> uh, wear boots next time. And it's actually not that risk taking. Yeah, well, it didn't seem like it to me anyhow. What was your favorite thing you found? Um, I think the EOS were really like memorable to me. Wait, you and found it, some chapstick? Yeah, like two. Are you gonna use it? Well, they're both unused. Are you sure they're unused? Were they wrapped? They were completely wrapped, but they weren't wrapped. <laughs> I know, it's it's sus. Um, and then there's also, so like, there's this one trash bag that Tom found, and it had like a bunch of Christian paraphernalia on it. <laughs> 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 
Wow, good haul, you guys. I'm really surprised because <laughs> it's literally the first day of finals and there's already so much good stuff. <laughs> we, can, we might actually find gold. So what did we end up pulling out of the trash that night? A financial accounting textbook, a set of Crayola markers, some unused dryer sheets, a bottle of detergent, some snack bars, which tasted good, some Kraft mac and cheese, bubbles, lip balm, some really nice boots, a dollar bill, flashlight, a nice tin, and a Bible activity book. On the ride back, I asked Sam about the best find that they've had. Their response? A collection of love letters that someone kept along with a jar of paper scraps detailing the things they wanted to do together. Ultimately, it seems that this relationship ended in tragedy. I asked Sam if they kept the letters. No, I threw them away because I got really sad. Also, I felt weird. It was like weirdly invasion of privacy, especially since I knew the guy. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I knew the frat guy. Oh, that is. <laughs> and so then I like saw him with his new girlfriend, and I was like. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. That's so yeah. funny. It's like you went through his entire like love history and yeah. he has no idea. Yep. <laughs> That's awesome though. All in all, I think I've learned that waste is a really personal thing. It's literally parts of your life that you are discarding and that maybe that's why people are so sensitive about, you know, dumpster diving or like recovering food even, because we all have things that we want to throw away. But I think we need to get over the fact that other people want to use your trash. I think it's okay to be sharing your trash with other people. And yeah, I think the idea of what is trash and what is waste needs to be redefined a little bit and people should be more open-minded about reusing things. like to say thanks to Isabel Richter, the one of the people who runs uh, the Food Recovery Network. Uh, I'd like to say thanks to Daniel Chong, the outgoing director of Cornell Thrift. I'd like to say thanks to Sam, who organized that dumpster dive. That was a really fun experience. Definitely going to do it again. You can listen to Voices on soundcloud.com slash voices podcast and on cornellradio.com as well as WVBR and WRFI.